It's Mother's Day. So I want to say a blessed Mother's Day to all the mothers and to the memory of mothers that some of us have and share together. And today I want to look at the mother of Jesus and see what the Bible teaches us. And by us, I mean mothers and others. There's an outline in the back page of your worship folder. Three things, three nuggets this morning. The first, God makes a choice from Luke chapter 1. Second, Jesus honors his mother's his father's choice in John chapter 19. And then third, Jesus enlarges the meaning of family in Matthew 23. Pray with me as we seek to understand and receive God's message for us this day. Father, I ask your help that the words I speak come from your heart. And your heart only. I also pray that each person here will hear from your heart, whether or not they hear the words you've given to me. This is what I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Message nugget number one. God makes a choice. God chooses a young woman, many think around the age of 14, to be the mother of his son, Jesus. Listen as God reveals his choice to her as a young girl in the town of Nazareth, north of Jerusalem. From Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The end of that reading. What was God's rationale for the choice he made for the mother of his son, Jesus? We are given no job description, and there is apparently no vetting process revealed in the scripture. And how was this good news that she was going to be pregnant and not married yet? How was that going to go over with mom and dad and neighbors and aunts and uncles? It's disturbing at best in many respects. So let's look at Mary for just a moment and begin to get just a bit of a flavor of her life as we look at other portions of the scripture where she shows up. Mary's response to this angel. 
I am the Lord's servant. May it be God's way with me. She acquiesces to the words that come to her immediately. She says, I'll do it. Whatever God wants, I'll do. And Mary responds with a yes to God's call in her life. As confusing, as upsetting, as confounding, as disturbing as it might have been, she says yes. She later goes to visit with her cousin Elizabeth, who is near the end of her pregnancy. Mary's family seems to be incredibly supporting of her. That helps a lot when God calls you to something challenging and difficult. And God also supplies an additional support system in the family. She gets to leave home in the early months of her pregnancy to be with her cousin in another town. Fewer people are going to be asking questions. They're going to focus on Elizabeth, who is obviously very ready to give birth. And also, there's an encounter with Elizabeth where Elizabeth's child, whom we know later as John the Baptist, basically explodes in excitement the moment Mary walks into the home to see her cousin, and she's carrying the Christ child inside her body. Then we have Mary at Jesus' birth. These shepherds show up to the cave that they were staying in on the outskirts of Bethlehem, not far from the inn. She ponders. She reflects. Mary is a ponderer, a reflector, or as some translations say, she treasured these things in her heart. The angels had showed up to shepherds, The angels had told them to look for us, and the shepherds came. She ponders. Or we take Mary at the dedication of Jesus as an infant in Jerusalem following his birth, and both Mary and her husband Joseph marvel at what is said about their son openly on the temple courts. Again, she ponders and reflects. Mary is only occasionally mentioned otherwise in Jesus' three-year ministry, but no significant revelation about her is given. But to have a supportive family and to be a reflector, one who listens, wonders, and treasures is a real gift. How are we with that? Do we react quickly? Or do we consider for a time? Do we jump to conclusions and explanations? Or do we ponder? Do we focus on the negative impact of what is being declared by God in our lives? Or do we treasure even though we don't understand? Mary was the one chosen by God to be the mother of his son. We find Mary next at the cross. And that leads us to message nugget number two. Jesus honors his father's choice from John 19. 
on a bleak outcropping, the one you're seeing in the picture behind me. Just beyond the ancient walls of Jerusalem, Jesus is crucified. We know that this act was unjust, that Jesus did not deserve to be crucified, but it happened, and it was necessary. In retrospect, over the centuries, we have, we have come to understand how much we needed Jesus to sacrifice his life on the cross. We would be without hope if he had not chosen to do that, both for mankind in general and for each of us in particular. We've come to accept his death as the ultimate gift of love for us. The forgiveness of God is given to us by Jesus' death on the cross, and the hope we have of abundant and eternal life is given us by Jesus not only dying on the cross, but then rising to life again three days later. In a profound way, at the point of Jesus' death, he revealed both his character and the profound love that he, his Father, and the Holy Spirit have for people. After a night of humiliating questioning and false accusations, a night of brutal beatings and humiliations, Jesus is finally nailed to a cross and hoisted up in the air so that those who wanted him dead could taunt him until he finally died and they were rid of him. And yet from that cross, Jesus' words ring out clearly. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Luke 23. Jesus opens the door to God's embrace in this sweeping prayer of forgiveness. That's our Savior. That's our Savior. The one whose eyes we are meant to look at the world through. A short time later, Jesus once again speaks. It's not a sweeping word to all. Instead, He speaks to one man, one of the two who are being crucified alongside him. The man had simply asked Jesus to remember him when Jesus enters his kingdom. Jesus turns and says, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Once again, Jesus opens the door to God's embrace. But he promises more than remembrance. He promises acceptance, and he promises place. God is an acceptor. God is a placemaker. And Jesus is showing it. And where is this place? Paradise. That's our Savior. A short time later, Jesus once again speaks. Listen to what the Apostle John writes about this. Near the cross, Jesus stood with, of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. John 19. Once again, Jesus opens the door to God's embrace. He calls his mother to be a mother to the disciple he loves, John. And he calls the disciple he loves, John, to be a providing son to Mary, his mother. He's connecting them 
because he will soon be gone. Not dead, only three days. But gone after that. Jesus is establishing a new kind of family tie. A family of faith. That leads us to the third message nugget of the morning. Jesus enlarges the meaning of family. There's a picture there of ruins of a home just outside the town of Capernaum at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. You can always remember where Capernaum is, the first three letters, cap. It's the cap on the Sea of Galilee, the very northern end. And that's where Jesus' earthly headquarters was really established. It wasn't Jerusalem. Most of his time was in the region of Galilee on the northern end, and Capernaum was the city he spent, or the town, he spent most of his time in. He's been traveling in and around villages, and Jesus has performed many miracles, and his teachings have been such a blessing to people that large crowds have begun to follow. From place to place they have followed him. It's not a large area, but it takes a lot of walking to get from town to town. There have also been many who have come along to question him. These keepers of law and order have been in control for decades, and Jesus, in their opinion, has been too fast and free with God's love, without God's laws and boundaries being strictly followed, and I mean following watching everyone, whether they keep them or not. Things like working on the Sabbath, healing someone who's been sick for decades, or eating out with people who are unacceptable, you know, those people, and so forth. On one such occasion with rather intense questioning, and some very strong and pointed teaching by Jesus, we read this. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Jesus replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother And my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12. This is not a put down of Jesus' mother and brothers. It's a teaching point. It's an expansive teaching point on the part of Jesus. He's declaring for us a new family, one that goes beyond the designer genes of parents and siblings. Jesus does not replace our family. He enlarges it. So many people have a family structure like this, and Jesus is doing this to it. He's getting us to expand in who our family is really made up of. An example. When I was a youth pastor in California in the city of Turlock, well, it was a town when we got there. It became a city while we were there. It exploded with people. There was a family on the south side of Turlock. They were the Smith family. They had a small farm, a mother, a father, a son, and a daughter. And God had impressed upon them to open the doors of their life and their family 
to kids who needed foster care. And so they caught the vision of an enlarged family. The mother and father became foster parents, and soon their fostering turned into adoption. Several kids, and I mean several kids, were adopted as they continued to foster others as well. I know this doesn't work for everyone, but for them, God called them to do this ministry, this enlargement of their family. When, they had, when I got to know them well, they had adopted three additional children while continuing to bring kids into their home. It was amazing. And that caught on. The Smith's sister-in-law caught the vision and began to foster and adopt girls into her home. She was a single mom. And then they tied up with a group home of about 35 kids about six miles away. And all of a sudden, we had a youth group that began to explode with foster kids and newly adopted kids adopted when they were teenagers. It was an incredible thing. And I remember the dynamics that went on as people who had protected their children in their small family cluster came to me and said, I'm not sure I want my kids running with these kids. I says, you're kidding. Do you know that I'm adopted? Or maybe that doesn't help you. The reality is, in Christ, we're all adopted. There's only one begotten child of God. Every other child of God is adopted. Fostered for a time until we finally get it and receive Christ in our life. But then adopted is the only way. Paul writes about it wonderfully in Romans. And we began to work with the families who were protective of their children and with the families that had exploded in largeness because of adoption and fostering and ended up with an incredible group of young people, over 200 kids that began to run together, minister together, start a youth choir together and a drama company together, travel to the Navajo Reservation twice, to Tijuana twice, doing ministry together, visiting all the national parks on the West Coast, doing programs together, seeing people come to Christ. It was amazing to watch as the family enlarged. Jesus is declaring a family of faith. Those who do the will of the Father, that's my family. At the age of 12, Jesus was about the work of his heavenly father, he said to his parents, who had already left town and walked a good day's journey away. He knew from an early age the full extent of his family responsibilities and his relationships. Jesus is declaring through his example that those who do the work of the heavenly father are family. My mothers, my brothers, my sisters, my fathers. Jesus enlarged what it meant to be a family. That brings us to the application of these three nuggets. First, choice. God made a choice, Mary. He wanted Mary to conceive, give birth to, and be the mother of his son, Jesus. And she agreed. She made the choice as well. God has made another choice. You and me, each one of you and me.
He wants every person to be born from above, meaning to conceive and give birth to his son Jesus in our lives, which completely transforms us. Have you ever thought of that before? You're chosen like Mary's chosen, so that his son can be born in you, so that by the Spirit you can conceive him, and by the Spirit he becomes evident in your life and my life, as together we proclaim him by how we live, by how we do things, by what we say. Mary made a choice to let God have his way with her. We have that choice as well, to let God have his way with us. Does he have his way with you? He's made the choice. Have you? Second, honor. Jesus honored the choice his father made. He honored his mother, certainly his father as well, and embraced his father's choice for his life. God has always wanted people to honor their parents. That's God's will for every human being. First revealed in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. Now let's be clear. Sometimes there are parents that are very challenging to honor. You with me on that? They make life so difficult. They're so controlling. Or they're so neglectful. Or my favorite image is helicopter parents. Have you ever been with a helicopter parent? Are some of you helicopter parents? You know what happens with a helicopter parent? That downdraft destroys the environment for anyone underneath them. It just blows hard. All the dust is stirred up. All the pollen in spring is stirred up. That's what helicopter parents are about. It's challenging at times to honor some parents who may be like that. But the challenge for those of us with challenging parents is to be gracious, like God. We do not have an out on honoring our parents. We're called to honor them, even if we don't get along, even if it's not a good relationship. We are meant to honor. And as Christians, it's our duty to honor them no matter what. That's our call. And if you have troubling, troublesome parents and you need help, grab hold of another believer to help you, to help you hold your feet to the fire, but also to help you be able to honor in the midst of the challenge. And as for challenged parents, there are those too. As children who challenge our parents, and this can happen at every age. My mother passed away just two years ago. She was 97. I was still craggy. I was still her kid. I was the oldest one, but I was still her child. It's our challenge as parents, to be gracious to our children like God is with all the children of his making. Again, when we are challenged in this, to keep that hidden, 
to say, I don't want anyone to know how difficult it is. We're not really doing the job of the Church of Jesus Christ. We need to have people we can trust and spend time with who will help encourage us to be people who honor and care properly for one another. That's why we have relationships. That's why the family needs to enlarge among those who are following God's will. Number three, expand. Jesus has given us a remarkable family to enhance the one we were born or adopted into. I have so loved traveling literally around the world and visited in churches with all kinds of different languages, all different kinds of worship styles, and discovered family wherever I've been. People who've been born anew by Jesus Christ, people who bow before the Father in heaven, people who have received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and together we have discovered each other even when we can't speak to each other. There's something special that happens because the family has been expanded. I have observed many in this church family who are great at including other people, not just their circle of born relatives, but the circle of born-again relatives. I experience it in the dining out group that we're in. We are having a delightful time, not only eating good food, which always helps, by the way, but in getting to know each other and enjoying each other and sharing our life together. I've also observed many in this church family who include themselves with others. That's the other side of it. Do we include ourselves with others or do we tend to isolate? As we choose to accept God's will in our life, as we choose to honor those God puts us with in life, as we choose to honor and expand that circle of family in our life, we will fulfill God's ways and plans for us and become known for how we love one another. And that's how he grows his church. May that be so for each of us and all of us together. Let's get with it and choose to let God have his way and honor those around us including ones who are challenging for us, and expand our understanding of family. Pray with me. Father, thank you for choosing us to be your family. And thank you for those who said yes to your choice. And thank you for those who will say yes to your choice. May that number be great. Thank you for giving us the call to honor one another as family. Thank you for enlarging our family beyond our wildest dreams. How great you are. Help us to do our part to foster your will and be the family members you intend us to be. In the name of Jesus. Amen.